This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, I was a heavy drinker, but I didn't recognize what the people closest to me recognized. I ended up laying flatlined on a hospital operating table. Somehow the surgeons brought me back to life. When your life depends on it, there's only one place you can turn. Karen. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen. Real results. Real care. Real about recovery. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments, so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times, 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. It was a frustrating day at the London Stadium yesterday when a depleted lead side took all three points against a substandard West Ham. It was a great opportunity to make it five wins from five and we didn't take it. We'll be looking at the reasons why, the next game against Man United, an exciting new feature launching on Patreon and growing concerns over cheating on the Predictions League before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons at a West Ham way. X, it was a great opportunity to make it five wins on the bounce against a depleted lead side at home. Why didn't we take it? 
Um, I think the main thing was probably underperformance of numerous players, particularly defensive players. Uh, I think that was probably the main reason. And obviously, I don't think Antonio had his best game either. So you talking the, the two ends of the picture, it matters. Too many people underperforming. Uh, I think maybe a bit of fatigue had crept in as well. A lot of games in a short space of time of a smallish squad, uh, which has obviously depleted itself. Um, and... I think sometimes we struggle to get ourselves up for these games, worryingly. Um, you know, we did the same against Southampton a few weeks ago, Brighton, you know, games you think really we should be, you know, e- easy wins for us tend to be tricky games because like the first five, ten minutes, we just weren't in it. And I said to my dad, who I sit next to, like, what's going on? Wake up, West Ham? Like, mm. you know, just don't even seem to be like caring. So there's a combination of those factors really, mate. Mm, I think you can tell with West Ham early on if we're not up for it, can't you? Yeah, and I think yeah. this was one of those games. I mean, we just allowed Leeds to take control. We didn't win enough second balls. There wasn't a lot of intensity in our play. There wasn't enough quality on the ball. And defensively, like you said, we were awful. I mean, their first goal, Chris has got done by pace from Rafina, which was always going to be a bit of a concern. But firstly, if you look at the marking for that first goal, we were at sixes and sevens. And I'm sure you're going to tell me Fab should have done better. Um, but... I'm looking at it thinking, why are we so slow to react to the follow-up? just seems yeah. like our, our, our feet were stuck in glue a lot of the time. Honestly, X, it was like watching you on a squash court, just totally defeated so early on. <laughs> um, it's a, uh, to be fair to Fabianski, I mean, the initial shot save is okay. Yeah. You know, it's not the, not the the best place to push it to, but at the end of the day, the most important thing was getting behind it, which he did. And I, so I can't blame him as much as the defence for that because you're right again. You know, no one closed the guy down that had the ball. The defence weren't quick enough to react to Fabianski's save. Um, it, it was just, yeah, I, I, you know, Fabianski's let three goals in again and mm. you could probably question whether Ariola would have done better. But at the end of the day, the, the ultimate cause of those goals was the defence, definitely. And I, yeah. Think, yeah. And I think all four of them weren't at their best. I'd probably say Dawson was okay, but the other three were terrible, I would say, yesterday. Mm. They were, yeah. I mean, we switched off again for their second goal from a corner. And then yeah. third, they just carved us open. And obviously, yeah. you know, VAR helped us out a little bit with the fourth. But, you know, again, really poor play from us. You just can't defend like that in the Premier League. And we don't normally defend like that. So why did we? Was it tiredness, complacency, just a bad day at the office or a combination of the three? Well, you, you've got to think of it like this. Like, essentially, essentially, aside from Cresswell... Uh, this is going to obviously controversial a little bit with Chafal. They're not your three, three out of four are not your first choice defenders, um, arguably, because you can say Johnson for Chafal and certainly the centre-backs. The centre-backs are third and fourth choice Premier League centre-backs. And I think, you know, that's beginning to show a little bit. I think either of them would be a lot better alongside Zuma or Bonner. I think that they make each other not as good as because they haven't got a, a solid defender alongside them. Um, neither of which are left-footed. So one of them um, is playing, which is Diop at this point, playing like on the wrong side. Um, I think... 
they've perhaps lost a bit of confidence as well because as I say their third and fourth choice centre-backs they're not on there completely on their peak I think Diop was a lot worse than Dawson I would say and I would say you know I don't Dawson's distribution is the most questionable thing for him for me I think he punts it too much and, and looks to play long balls all the time when that's not necessarily how he play defensively yes he's not great if he's got a fast person running at him but defensively I can deal with him. I think Diop was calamitous yesterday. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, I hate singling out players because as I said, it was a collective defensive performance, but it was, even if you look beyond the goals, there was one time when he hoofed it out for a throw-in right where I was because he couldn't control it properly. Um, he got turned a number of times. His distribution was poor. Uh, he He got, as I say, he just seemed to really be off his game. I mean, <laughs> he hasn't played that that well since he's came in since he's been okay he's done a job but he hasn't been amazing since he's been back in the team and I just hope personally that Zuma is fit for Man United because he was very very close to being on the bench and at one point he was actually on the bench so I don't quite understand why it changed what changed I did say in the report on on patron that this is not confirmed and it could be that Moyes changed his mind last minute but all the sources that have given me the team God knows how many times right now must be over 400 times right now said he was on the bench um, and um, so it changed last minute but that should mean that he's available for the Manchester United game and yes he hasn't played for a, a long time but I think you have to put him straight back in and I think you have to put him in for Europe I, I would say um, and and go with that, and I think so. We, we that's the main problem, and I also think um, the Fabianski is not the most vocal of keepers. So at times, when perhaps centre backs like they do you need a bit of management from the keeper, I'm not sure Fabianski is the best at doing that either. So without having the leader Zuma or Bonner along him, he's getting a little, alongside. He's getting a little bit exposed. Cresswell obviously hasn't played for a long time. Played two games in a short period of time so I don't think he looked particularly fit uh, Shafal's confidence is, is not what it was so I just think collectively having that many underperforming defenders meant that they all sort of bounced off each other negatively and it was just a poor defensive display and at the other end Antonio wasn't really in it either so he kept losing the ball so every time the ball went forward he wasn't able to hold on to it so it meant we were constantly under pressure mm. Yeah, I mean, Diop was the standout underperformer for me. I mean, in your opinion, was that his worst game in a West Ham shirt? Uh, I'd probably say so, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to stand here and absolutely slaughter him, which I've seen people doing on Twitter and on, even on our Patreon. Um, you know, um, he's getting absolutely slaughtered. You know, bin him off, rip his contract up, stuff like that. That's unfair. He's clearly a centre-back that has decent credentials, but he's just underperforming massively at the moment. Um you know, it is hard. He's playing in a team without, as I say, without Ogbonna, without Zuma, without a 100% fit Cresswell, without Suchek in front of them, protecting them. You know, Lanzini did well, I thought. Wasn't great, but did all right. But he's not the protective person you need in front of you sometimes. And Rice is obviously playing a bit more forward as well, which has possibly exposed him. And, you know, it's just a bad day at the office. These happen. You know, it's not the end of the world. We should have beaten Leeds. Yes, it's disappointing. It is disappointing. That's a game we should have picked up three points in but these things do happen I just think yeah it's time for Zoom to come back in and give you a bit of a a bit of a period out of the team there yeah I think you have more patience than most when it comes to the you know myself included because for me X I think it's reached a point now where either he steps up or we move him on 
And he's oh, had yeah. plenty of opportunities now to establish himself and he just doesn't take them. And you're saying that he might be lacking confidence because he isn't the first choice. Well, Ben Johnson wasn't the first choice. He came in and absolutely smashed it. So it's mindset and it's professionalism, it's commitment to want to be the best, to want to strive towards becoming the first choice. And yeah. he just isn't taking it. And no. if, if we're starting to talk about well, he hasn't got certain players around him and his goalkeeper can't come on like he should do. It sounds to me like he needs too much fucking babysitting. Oh, yeah. Either I mean, he's a professional fucking footballer at the Premier League level or he ain't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I would sell him. Don't get me wrong. If an offer came in for him now, 25 million, which we would be very lucky to get 20 to 30 million, I would sell him. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to not completely destroy the man like everyone else seems to be doing. I don't, I don't think he... I think he's our fourth best centre-back. I know that's debatable because I think Elise is very good and Baptiste is very good if you're talking about first-teamers. So he shouldn't really, in theory, be near the team. So, yes, I'd, I, I've got long-term question marks about him. I do think he has potential to be a good player. He's shown it in the past in his first season when you know the likes of Man United were heavily linked with him because he was playing well, but that hasn't happened for a while. But, yeah, I think, I think there's just something not quite right with him. He needs to come out of the team at the moment and then try and rebuild him or sell him on. But yeah, Zuma's absence. Um, Zuma in that defence yesterday, a fit Zuma and then a fit Ogbonna, we wouldn't have been as open as we were. No. For me, he is the most frustrating player in the squad because he, you're right, He, I think he does have the potential to be a really good player and on his day, he is a very good player but he doesn't have enough of those days. Yesterday was awful to look at him. I mean, the way he was getting twisted and turned and he's marking and I don't know if, the, if it's the right word but I'm sure you know what I mean. He's quite gangly with the ball. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing smooth about his play and, and he just concerns me because like I say, on his day... He's a good player, but he doesn't have enough of those days and it costs us points when he doesn't. So I, I, I find that my patience with him is, is seriously running thin now. But yeah. listen, we did score two yesterday and there are talking points around both scorers, actually. Starting with Jared, who had a funny old game, really, didn't he? Because despite yeah. scoring, he did have a golden opportunity to score a second. How did he miss that? Yeah, I mean, it, I, I was at the game, and at first, at the game, I thought it was a bad miss, and then I've looked back, and it definitely was. I think he got caught in mixed mind at the height of the ball. You know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make excuses for everyone here, and they're Premier League footballers, but it wasn't quite high enough to definitely say go over your head and it wasn't quite like low enough to sort of go over another body part that said the obvious choice looking back of it is to head it but um, I think maybe that's what came into his mind I'm trying to speak for him here but either way it was it was a poor miss and perhaps overconfidence you know he has been scoring a lot recently maybe he just thought you know overconfidence I can get this in that way it was but at the end of the day it was a bad miss I, you can't dig him out because he's been sensational for us um, and he hasn't played and he hasn't um, let us down all season One, him and Rice surely contenders for player of the year but he it was a bad miss there's no two ways about it yep you're right on both counts it was a really bad miss but he has been so sensational for West Ham you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And the bottom line is no one would be hurting more over that miss than Jared. Um, and I just think... Well, that, from his Instagram post. 
Uh, right, what did he say? He said like he's uh, devastated to have let the team down or something along those lines. Um, and Dick and Rice replied underneath saying, mate, <laughs> you've been revelational these last few games, what you're talking about type thing. And so, yeah, you can tell from his post, and he would have been. I mean, he knows he should have scored that. Um, you know, like I said, it, there's probably the dilemma in his head about the height, but I'm looking to make excuses for him here. He should have scored that. Definitely. Yeah, look, look, he's had a shocker there, hasn't he? I mean, look, it, it doesn't mean to say that you're going to be overly critical of Jared Bowen because you are critiquing a, a, a goal that should have been. I mean, for me, the height wasn't an issue. I think that you just you just put your head on the end of it and it's in. Uh, it was it was bizarre to be honest, but like we say, Jared, it only changed high in the last minute though, because it didn't it took a, def- a little deflection or someone. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not having that, mate. I mean, look, I don't oh, want to no. go into the realms of you know really seriously being unhappy with Jared because that's not what I'm saying at all. But when you look at that isolated instant, he's got to score it. There's no excuses for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, that is a decent height. To, to head the ball in the back of the net. And I, I, I don't think there is an excuse in that respect, but he has been sensational. There's no two ways about it. And, and I love him. And it is the toss of a coin at the moment with Hammer of the Year, with Declan and Jared. I think they're neck and neck as it stands, two quality players. But I want to get your opinion on this, X, because I was listening to TalkSport in the build-up to the game. And they went to the Moose, right? Who is a West Ham fan, by the way. And in the studio, they said, Surely Jared's knocking on the door for an England call-up. Yeah, so this is before the game because of his form. Outstanding. And Moose said, who, to remind everyone, is a West Ham fan, that in his opinion, there are at least 10 players in front of Jared to play in that position. And some of the names he listed, and some of them are big names, so I just wanted to get your take on this, included Sancho, Rashford, Sterling, Mount, Foden and Grealish. And I'm sure that the fans of those respective teams would debate that that's fair. But then he throws in James Madison and fucking Cole Palmer. I mean, is he having a laugh? I don't even know who Cole Palmer is. (laughs) 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 Who's that? (laughs) I've never even heard of him. Yeah, but I think you're you're, you're making my point. Who is Cole Palmer? He's he's a kid. Who's he played for? He's a kid that plays for Man City. Is he? Yeah, I think he, he might be booked as the next Phil Foden, maybe. I don't know. But he, oh. he's, having, he's having Cole Palmer in front of Jared. This is a West Ham fan, X. Uh, mate, and the thing is, I wouldn't even say most of those players are similar to Bowen in terms of their actual positioning, because you've said Foden there, didn't you? You said uh, Madison. Who else did you say? Uh, uh, who was the first ones? Foden, Madison. So the so the ones that Grealish, he, yeah, from memory he he reeled off Sancho, okay. Rashford. Some well, of them are out of form, by the way. Some of them don't even play. Well, I would tell even... you what, co- collectively, none of them work harder than Jared. I'll tell you that now. No, I wouldn't even say some of them are in the same position though. Like Joe, Jared Bowen's a, no. a right a right winger. Phil Foden's not a right winger. Um, James Madison's not a right winger. You know, they're, they're more central. Um, so he's got the wrong type of player there for a number of them. He and, and Sancho is well known that he hasn't performed this season for Manchester United, despite the price. Um, Rashford, uh, uh, from memory, plays on the other flank or up front. Um, so he's got all the wrong comparative players there. And mm. there's no one... Uh, <laughs> You know, when you select an England squad, of course you have to select on ability. You know, there's no point picking an informed League Two player, for example, but you have to do a combination of ability and on form. And there's no other player that's as on form as Gerard Bowen in the the league at the moment in his position. And also, there's no wonder the likes of Liverpool are being 
heavily linked with him because of the fact he is performing that well. It's ridiculous. You know, I don't know why I'm trying to defend certain people all the time. Maybe Moose is trying to play it down because he is a West Ham fan and he doesn't want him to get injured or doesn't want the big clubs to get attention of, of Gerald Bowen. I don't know what his logic is there, but if you're being if you're being honest, Gerald Bowen needs to be ahead of like almost all of those players, I would say, and particularly the ones that are playing in the actual same position as him. I think it's ludicrous. I think Gerald Bowen on form, I, ideally, I'm not sure I'd want him in the England squad, but if I'm being um, genuine to him and being genuine on my football opinions, I think he does deserve it. You know, he's scoring regularly in the Premier League, regularly, almost every game he's scoring at the moment. And, um, you know, and, and that's, he can, gives you options, playing on the right, playing on the left, playing up front. Um, I think, I think he's just talking rubbish there, personally. No, massively, mate. I couldn't believe it. I'm listening to it with my jaw drops, you know, and yeah. there's such a buzz around Jared at the moment and West Ham fans are feeding off of that. Then you fucking listen to him saying the shit that he's saying and you're thinking, fuck me, mate. Like, what, what what are you doing? It's just madness. And I mean, another point that he made was that, you know, Gareth Southgate doesn't pick players unless they've played at, uh, for England at some level, some youth level, which Jared really? never has. And then someone in the studio rightly said, well, neither's Calvin Phillips. And well, then he mumbled and bumbled his fucking way through that. And I just, it just blows my mind, mate, to be honest. I don't know what planet that geezer's on. I'm I really sure, don't. I'm sure there's other players that Southgate has picked over the years as well that's never played for I'm um, sure. England at youth levels. I mean, that Jamie Vardy, I don't think, did. And he picked him, didn't he? And um, there must be loads of others that mm. are they're in that squad, like particularly ones that um, came from the sort of, um, you know, the lower leagues and, and made their way up and stuff. Stuff, right? It's yeah. There's got to be others, and I don't think that's a, a factor. You know, what does it matter if you've came through? You know, Mark Noble was one of the most capped players at under twenty one and other levels. yet has never played for the first team. Yes, yeah. so you know, he does, and there's how many others is there? You know, are we going to call Jack Wilshire in because Jack Wilshire was good at England under twenty one level? You know, it's a ridiculous comment. I think you you pick a player that is clearly talented, but also on form. That's what you go with. And it links into my philosophies about not changing a winning side and so on, because it's all about that momentum and that like that that um, positivity. So you pick informed players. Gerard Bowen is one of the most informed players in the Premier League. Mm. Yeah, oh, and if he played for Liverpool, he'd be in that squad now. Oh, yeah, million. Make no mistake. Well, judging by the names that Moose has given, if he played for Man United or Man City, he'd definitely yeah. be in there. Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. Uh, Pablo scored the second goal, a quality goal as well. Then he gets taken off and he gets taken off for Yarmolenko. What did you make of that decision? I thought the substitutions were poor on um, Sunday. You know, we can all sit here and praise Moyes and rightly so. The guy's done brilliantly for us. I'm not digging him out in the slightest. I think he's a great manager. I'm delighted he's our manager. You know, crack on, you're doing a good job. But there are times when you have to question certain things because it's natural when you've lost a game to see what went wrong. And I, I think you have to say the substitutions, in my opinion, Masuaku, but particularly Yarmolenko, don't offer anything when they come on. That's been proven throughout the season now. He's brought them on. And yeah, aside from Masuaku's 
fluke goal against Chelsea. Neither have particularly changed it. And I thought Fornells was playing really well. You know, Flasic wasn't his greatest game, but he wasn't doing badly. I'd rather have had those two on the pitch the whole way than have either Mazuark or Yarmolenko on. If I had a choice again, I would sell both of those players tomorrow. So the fact they're still coming on. I mean, I, I, I've spoke to some of my sources in the academy and I've said, surely there's got to be a better right winger that would be more effective than Yarmolenko. Like, you know, we know technically he's good, but he is just so painfully slow and painfully one-footed um, that it's just, he's just not, I don't, we, we, every time he gets on a pitch, we're giving him 15 grand, 20 grand. You know, I don't understand that, to be honest. No. But when you look at the subs, Moise has at his disposal to change the game yesterday. He's gone with Yarmolenko, Mazuaku and Perkins. Does this once again highlight the need for some business to be done this month? Oh, massively, mate. Massively. There needs to be business. I mean, Antonio was poor. You know, Antonio couldn't even hold the ball up, let alone score a goal. You know, I know he set up four nails and stuff, but in terms of all-round play, he let the ball go so many times. Um, and... That's when you, and he's even admitted himself, both Moyes and Antonio have admitted that there's too much reliance on him. Therefore, you clearly need another forward. We've needed one since we sold Alaire. And we were right to sell Alaire, but we weren't right to sell Alaire and then not replace him. You yeah. know, I'd rather have Alaire now than not have anyone. You know, Alaire could score goals and he could have good games now and again. You know, so I'd much rather have him here than no one else. Um, so at the time when we sold him, I thought, yeah, good deal, because he needs to go. He's not the right fit for us. But now with hindsight, knowing we're not going to sign anyone, I would say, no, you're going to stick with him. Um, and he got... You got clearly need a need at centre back. You know, regardless of whether Ogbonna comes back um, from fitness, he's he's still old. He's 34, 35. We need a centre back at some point. So why not sign a centre back whilst the current one you've got is out for the rest of the season, the one that you're probably going to have to replace soon anyway. So we certainly need a new centre-back. We certainly need a new forward. I would say we need a new left-back as well because Mazuaku doesn't offer competition to Cresswell there. You know, Johnson can play there, but it's not his natural position. Um, so 100% we need squad uh, signings, which is why it's frustrating that, again, we're leaving our business to the last minute. Yeah, and this is what we covered on a previous show. I don't understand why we're doing that because every West Ham fan has been screaming the obvious answers to what we need in that squad for a long time now. And Rob Newman's come in and would have been having conversations. And look, I don't want to step on your toes with your section, but just a yes or no answer without being too specific, X. Are we close to signing anyone as it stands? Not at this point. However, right. they have a meeting today, I believe, after training today. Oh, this one's going to come in my section, but it needs to be said now. Um, I, I believe they have a meeting after training today. Not training today, because I think they might even have a day off today, but they have a meeting at some point today to discuss their targets. Uh, we'll not discuss the targets, but to sort of really narrow in further. They have they have provisionally spoke to people, but they haven't. there's been no bid put in because they're being like put off 
signing the players that they've identified either because the clubs don't want to sell them or there's a domino, you know, they're waiting for someone else to sign a player and the domino effect, etc. I will talk about this more in my section, but mm. at the moment, no, unless something happens dramatically today, um, then I will, which I will report on Patreon. But at this point, there is no one close that I'm aware of. No. Mm. And listen, again, it comes back to living in an ideal world, which we don't live in, but in an ideal world, you know, first, second, third of January, you'd start seeing players in the shirt because you would have identified what you needed in the months previous to that. I don't know why there's not a shitload of groundwork that goes into upcoming transfer windows. Um, maybe yeah. there is, and then the differing starts. I don't know, but we need to get bodies through the, the door because, listen, whilst I'm not panicking, because when you look at the league and you look at the competitions we're still a part of, as it stands, it's still a fantastic season for West Ham. Fantastic. But if we would have had bodies in, for example, in the first two weeks of Jan, that would have provided better cover than Diop has, or better cover than Dawson has, or you know, and, and some other players, uh, or, or, or someone that can come in up front and give Antonio a well-needed rest, then we might have picked up points against Leeds. We might have picked up points against some of the others, that we see as games we shouldn't have lost. And when you calculate all that at the end of the season, you could look at this transfer window and say that the lack of bodies coming through the door when we really needed them was the difference between qualifying for the Champions League and not. It could be. could be the case. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm looking through now at the Premier League transfers. I mean, there's clearly something to be said for signing people in January, though, because I'm not excusing boys because we need to sign players 100%. I'm looking through here. I've just loaded it up on my phone. Right, so Arsenal haven't signed anyone. Aston Villa have. They've signed Coutinho and Dinia. So two good signings. Brentford have signed someone called Jonas Lossi. I don't know if he's any good or not. Right, they've signed someone called Kasper Kolowoski. Burnley haven't signed anyone. Chelsea haven't signed anyone. Crystal Palace have signed someone from Drogheda United, which is obviously a youngster in Ireland. Everton have signed three players, Malenko, Patterson and El Ghazi from Villa, who we were linked with. So obviously um, I never reported that transfer because I don't think we were ever particularly close with him. I think we looked at him from a distance and decided not to. So they've signed players, but well, that was Benitez. And obviously Benitez has been sacked. Leicester haven't signed anyone. Liverpool haven't signed anyone. Man City haven't signed anyone. Manchester United haven't signed anyone. Newcastle have, Side Kieran Tripper and Chris Woods, and that's obviously because they've got new multi billionaire owners. Norwich haven't signed anyone. Southampton has signed Willie Caballero, who's that old Chelsea Man City goalkeeper who must be about 40. Yeah, um, Watford have signed four players, of which I've never heard of any of them. Wolves have signed one player. So when you look for it like that, none of our Champions League contender rivals have signed anyone, um, and they have clearly, certainly. Man City and Manchester United so have more financial clout than we do. Um, so money is not going to be an issue for them. But there's obviously something about getting the right players in January now. I know we need to sign players. And I know any striker would be better than no striker. I do know that. But Moyes is very, very set on who he wants to bring in. Now, people want to try and turn it on the board. And of course, there's a part of it on the board. You know, they're still still suffering mentally, I think, from what they did with Pellegrini. And as a result, we're still suffering by the likes of having Yarmolenko on a hundred grand um more plus a week. You know, his contract will be up. The fact we, you know, Diop, you know, underperforming, he's a yarm, he's a Pellegrini signing, you know, this 
still a knock-on effect of that. Um, but Moyes only has real strict criteria for the players that he wants to sign. And it, and if he doesn't think they tick those boxes, he won't sign. It's like Dinia, you know, his wages were ridiculous, 160,000, but Moyes wasn't convinced on his character, whether he's the right person for the squad. So it's a really tricky situation because you sit here as a West Ham fan, getting massively frustrated that we're not signing anyone. But then you take the... Almost, you have to take the backing of the manager that event that he has such strict criteria as to what he wants to sign and who he wants to sign that he then waits till the last minute to make sure he gets the best deal. It's a real tricky one. And yes, like you said, an ideal world would sign the right player on the 1st of January, but it doesn't seem to be that easy and, and it doesn't seem to be that easy for all teams, not just us. Mm. Yeah, but then when you look at all those teams you mentioned, how many of them, have one striker in the squad. Well, look at Liverpool. For example, I mean, Liverpool are chasing the league title. I mean, they've basically lost it now to Man City, but, you know, they're in, you know, should be competing at the very top. They've just lost Salah and Mane to the um, African nations. Now, I know they're going to come back in February, but ideally what they would have done is sign someone, knowing that their two star men were going to African nations, sign someone on the 1st of January that's going to give them some cover there, um, but they haven't. You know, Man City don't have a striker. There's Jesus, so where his name is, but they don't play him very often. Yes, that's because they've got great attacking midfielders, but, um, you know, Chelsea have been off form at the moment. Chelsea could clearly do with a new player in there, I'm sure. Arsenal could do with a new player, and they haven't signed them. You know, so Tottenham have got a new manager. Um, you know, he, um, he hasn't signed anyone yet. Um, so... <laughs> It, it's hard because I'm as frustrated as anyone. Believe me, I'm as frustrated as anyone because if West Ham don't sign anyone, for some reason I get shit for it because I get, you told us we were going to do this, that and the other. And so I get that. And I also get where well, X doesn't know what's going on because Moyes keeps his card to his chest. But I made this analogy to, to my wife this morning. It's like saying, well, X didn't report the earthquake in London that happened yesterday. And you'd be like, well, there wasn't an earthquake in London yesterday, exactly. You know, how can I appoint the report something that hasn't happened? We've signed one player this window, which was um, Marshall. And I gave that to you a month and a half early. We took the free loan players back. I said that a month and a half ago. So I could report things that happen, but I can't report things that aren't happening. And believe me, the people are getting frustrated. People are getting frustrated in the club. I mean, mate, my section's going to be tiny after this because I'm pretty much giving it away. But, you know, there's people frustrated in the club. The players are frustrated. You know, they know know that they need players. Antonio said it. Declan Rice has been promised, you know, recruitments to make the club more attractive. They're not here yet. Moyes has even said they're getting frustrated. The chairman are getting frustrated because they're the ones that are getting blamed for not signing one. So everyone wants there to be signings, but they're just not happening for whatever reason you, you want to put it down to. So, you know, hopefully, as I've said at the start, I thought we would move for Lingard at the start. I did say that. That hasn't happened mainly because of issues with him and whether he wants to come or not. But I hope that we will make our business within, you know, the last week or so of the window. Um, it's, the, what, the 17th today. So we've still got two weeks. So this is when hopefully it will start to intensify this next week and then we'll start to get people over the line in the last week. You know, Zuma came right at the end of the window. Bowen came right at the end of his window. You know, these players, Ariola was the first signing we made well into the summer transfer window. Um, so hopefully a forms to go by, you know, we will. When he was at Manchester United, 
when he was his first big job at Manchester United, that first window he had in the summer, the Man United fans were going crazy. They hadn't signed anyone. And then he brought in, I think he got one matter at one point, and then he brought in Fellaini. His ex-Everton fell out the last day of the season, and that was pretty much it. So he had the same thing happen there. So if it, if it was happening at Manchester United, it's going to happen at West Ham. Mm, yeah, I know. And maybe I'm deluded, but I just think behind the scenes in football, especially if you're a, a manager with David Moyes' experience, I mean, he must know pretty much everyone. And I can't, I don't know, I just can't for one second accept that he isn't picking up a phone to other managers that are in charge of players that he wants in September or October or November and saying, look, I'm really interested in bringing your player to my club. What is it going to take financially to get him here? So, you know, to almost do the deal over the phone in preparation for January so that when January comes, it's just a a case then of sitting down with the player and agreeing personal terms. I don't know why we have to start the whole process from scratch as soon as the window opens. In my mind, why don't we do the groundwork before the window opens? And then as soon as the window opens, that's when we sign the players. But then maybe I'm deluded. I don't know. I totally agree with what you're saying in principle. Definitely. I do. And for me, you'd get all your signings done. Boom. First two weeks of January, first two days, sorry, of January. And then you've got all those players for an extra month of the season. It makes perfectly logical sense, particularly when you've got two or three months. Like you said before, with a director of recruitment coming in, one thing that's happened recently as well, and I know this show feels like I'm just making excuses for everything, but I'm just saying genuinely what I believe. One thing that's happened recently is obviously COVID, and COVID has decimated the Premier League fixture list in recent weeks, as, we, as we've all seen. Therefore, the clubs have players that are in their squads now that maybe, you know, a year, two years ago, or pre-COVID or whatever, would have been the prime candidates to be sold. But now there's the squad so badly affected by another thing that can take them out that their importance to their current squads is magnified to what it was before. The perfect example, and again, this is going to be my section, but it's Courtney House at Villa, horse or house, whatever. He's um he's someone that we are interested in, but, I, but I've read this morning that Villa are reluctant to sell because two of their centre-backs are out um, so they can't get rid of him now because they need him. And they might say, right, well, if we, we want to get rid of him, so we'll get rid of him but we, and we'll bring in this centre-back from another club, but then that club might not want to sell that centre-back. So it's that domino effect again. And I think, I think yes, Moyes is, is slow, but then you could say that that's a good thing. He makes sure he gets the right person for West Ham. He'd rather have a team of players that want to play, and that's how he's created this team spirit at the club, because he's bought the right players in and made sure they've got the right attitude. You know, Anthony Martial, for example, could be a prime signing. Moyes has worked with him before. He's apparently wants to get out of Manchester United. He's a forward. He can play on the wing. He, you know, French international scores goals in the Premier League. He's like the prime candidate, I would say. And I think we do have some interest. But then Moyes, because of his emphasis on squad you know, unity and so on, looks at him and thinks, oh, is he, is he got the right attitude? 
You know, is there someone out there that could be, you know, better for this club? And I think that's where where he takes a bit more time than perhaps others. And you can criticise him for that, but then you can give him praise because look at the team spirit we've got now. Look at where we're sitting in the league. That's down to having the right players at the club. So it's a real swings and roundabouts. I'm as frustrated as anyone. Believe me, like I said, it affects the trolling I get when West Ham don't sign someone. So I want us to sign people. But, you know, the, there are factors, I think, that that kind of get us to this situation. If it's January the 31st and we haven't signed anyone, even just on loan, because there could be a couple of players out there you could get on loan. If we haven't signed anyone, then, then I'd be very surprised. Well, the gaffer blamed the performance against Leeds on a tough schedule, three games in a week. When you look at the Arsenal game being called off because of one COVID case, as much as I don't agree with it, if we're in such a desperate need of a rest, why are we not doing the same? Suchek is out with COVID, so why are we not using that to our advantage like Arsenal are? Suchek's been, Chappelle's been, um, uh, Zuma's had it. You know, there's there's been more than just Suchek, so Ashby's had it. Um, so there's been quite a few. Um, so we had every reason to, like you said, because Arsenal did it over one. Again, I think we've almost been too nice in some ways, but... When Arsenal or these other clubs, I can't remember which team it is that's played the least amount of games, but I think there's one team, might be Leicester possibly, that have played three or four games less than us. They're going to have to fit them in at some point. So all it does in a way is put this the fatigue issue to another day um, because they're all going to have to play so many games in a short space of time and there's no there's no guarantee that COVID will be better. You know, in a, a month's time or whatever, I... I and it's been proven aside from the Leeds result. You know, we've beaten Norwich, we've beaten Palace, we've beaten Watford. We were right to get our teams out for those games, despite having the lack of players that we had. But I do agree the the Premier League has massively fucked up this season, massively. There's no way Arsenal should have been able to cancel that game, particularly when they've loaned three players out. You know, they've loaned, I don't I don't even know who the Arsenal player is that got COVID. I've not even looked into it. But Arsenal have loaned out um Ainsley Matlin Niles to um to Roma, you know, whoever that player was. Matlin Niles is versatile. He can play at full back and either side and on the wings. So, <coughs> so I'm sure they could have covered it within. The Premier League have massively fucked up. They should have basically had a criteria. If you have maybe more than five players out with COVID, then you can then the game can be cancelled or you just say no, this is the perfect chance to give youth players a go. Let's see how good your academy is long term, particularly if they're English, it'll be good for the national team. Let's give let's see how good you are in that respect. And that will encourage clubs to have a strong youth setup. Either way, whatever option you choose, the Premier League should never have let it get to this state. Stupid. Mm. They're ridiculous. Mm. Look at all my. There, there have been people. There have been people that North London derby that were <clears throat> flying in from all over the world for that game. There would have been people that have planned so much around it. There have been so much because football's so massive now behind that game. And Arsenal just thought, oh, well, we got one player out of COVID. Let's cancel it. It, it shouldn't happen. You know, I remember was it Middlesbrough in the nineties, I think, or early two thousand. I'm going to go in nineties. Couldn't get a team out because they had food poisoning or flu or something sweet round their team. They got three points deducted, and I think they got relegated by um, three points. You know, and that and I don't. And Middlesbrough have like not really been an established Premier League team since. And you know, yet now Arsenal, supposedly one of the biggest clubs in the 
in the Premier League, one of the so-called Super Six, have to cancel a game because one player has COVID. Mm. It's stupid. Mm. No, it's fucking madness, mate. Sign of the times as well. Absolutely. The football's fucked, mate, at the moment. The VAR shit, the causing, calling games off with COVID. The, the, there's so many weaknesses. And it all, it all boils down to almost as what we've happened in the Super Six is that the Super Six, so-called inverted commas, have too much power. You know, I know other clubs have called off games and stuff, but it's the clubs now have the power. The Premier League and the Football Association don't stand up to these clubs and say, no, you are going to play this game or no, you are going to do this. The reason why VIRs like that is because they're scared to give decisions against the big six and so on. I just feel like, you know, so much stuff that needs sorting out in football at the moment, sadly. Mm. Well, Man United next at Old Trafford. How do you feel about that game? reasonably confident ridiculously mm. you know Manchester United are on a bit of a, a shaky bit of form themselves they're not the Man United of old um, I don't fear them anywhere near like I used to get Zuma back into that team maybe get Suchek back into that team probably bring Johnson in as well you can even argue Ariola for Fabianski but I doubt that would happen get those three back in and I think the team feels different again and you go into that game with confidence and say let's go and beat Manchester United we're better than them and that's what the league table says and I, I think we can give them a game I think we're better against teams like that yeah I think you're right I think you make some really good points I mean look it's a tough game still a tough oh, game oh, yeah, not definitely. Um, oh, yeah. but they are a side that's lacking squad harmony there's a lot of egos in the group defensively they can be frow at times but they do also have some outstanding players that can produce goals at any time so I really don't know how to call that one I think that's a tough game but you're right there is definitely an undercurrent of confidence going into that game because we do tend to perform against teams like that and the league table doesn't lie. I think we, we, we've we got everything that I've just said they don't. Um, and I think if you throw Zuma back in there and Suchek and the side starts to look back to its best, um, I don't think uh, United will take that lightly. I'll tell you, they'll be in for a game. They'll definitely be in for a game. Let's hope so anyway. Right, on to the West Ham Way Predictions League now. And I'm going to cut to the chase. I didn't want to do this, but you've given me no choice, okay? There is now a cash reward for anyone that can categorically prove that X is cheating, right? So (laughs) if you are the person that is predicting these scores for X, or you know the person that is, and you want to earn yourself a few quid, please get in touch. The cash reward is to be confirmed, to be fair. And as a reminder, if proof is obtained, then it will result in a lifetime ban for X. Because, <laughs> because through playing the game fairly, I'm currently 62nd with 2,001 points. And through blatant cheating, because there's absolutely no way X is this good at fucking predicting results, let me tell you. He's currently fucking 12th, right? 12th on 2,288 points. Um, let's just say that there is a very strongly worded letter coming your way that will be reminding you of the consequences of cheating in this competition. Hey, I gave you an indication that this was going to happen at the end of last season when you sort of miraculously scrapped the game of about three or four weeks to no, go. No, no, let's uh, not no, go through you did. this again. No, you did. That's not the case. That is the, the competition facts. competition crashed and you verbally agreed 
to end the competition there and then. No, I and didn't. Gesture of goodwill when the competition was fixed thereafter and said, look, if you want, you can carry on playing the last few games. Prior to that, we had agreed that the tournament would end and I would be the winner. Right. Well, I carried that, on. That's recorded, that conversation. Well, I carried Be very careful here, my friend. <laughs> be very careful. <laughs> I carried on playing those weeks and I absolutely smashed it. Got about 600 points because, as I kept saying, this at the time, football wasn't predictable. Last season, with COVID and like the, no crowds in, no fans in the games and stuff. Now, football is a bit more normal. So, therefore, I can predict what is going to happen. And, you know, who would have called Aston Villa to um, Manchester United? So I did 60 points. You know, it's, it's decisions like that that have got me where I, where I sit now. What's, what's and, very interesting, X, right? What's very interesting about what you just said is that football, unlike <laughs> last season, is more predictable now. But I quote you from a conversation we had five minutes ago where you described football as fucked. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, how is it, it more is, predictable uh... now the game is, in your words, fucked? <laughs> it's fucked because of things like VAR but that's why it's predictable because it's fucked it's fucked because it's going to favour the top six so if you so <laughs> the way you the, talk yourself out no, of these I can talk my way out of it it's because I'm talking sense but I, it's from what has happened is now football is like it used to be where Man United Liverpool etc get all the decisions and so you know that it's likely if you put a Man United result or a Man City result or whatever, it's likely you're going to get. I mean, swings and roundabouts, West Ham, Norwich, I predicted West Ham to win 3-0. You predicted West Ham to win 2-0. The difference in that was about 65 points. You know, the difference in terms of positive to you, you know, the difference was one goal. You know, So that that sort of stuff. And, mate, at the end of the day, you've only got yourself to blame. Friday, did you predict mm. the game? Oh, mate. And do you know what, right? Gospel and I got, truth. I got 50 points on that one. Do you know, gospel truffix, I promise you, yes, I did forget, and if I would have remembered gospel truth, I'd have called that a draw. There well. you go. So it's your organisation that's got you into this no, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But do you know <sighs> one thing that does confuse me a little bit, right, is that there's quite a, a gulf in points between us, really. You're talking like 280-odd points. Yet when you look at it, you have got 15 correct scores this season, and I've got 14. Yeah, it's because what it is, is like I can, you know, predicting your score's hard because that's on so many different factors. Whereas to say, right, you've got a game here, it's Manchester City versus Norwich. Where you're going to say, well, yeah, Manchester City are going to win that. So that so it's easy to pick up the sort of regular points. I don't set the world alight because I don't call massive games. Other than like the two I did at Vera Man United, I don't call massive results. I just consistent. I know what team's going to win or not. And mate, at the end of the day, if you want to question the validity of it, look into my Labrooks betting account at the moment. Boom. <laughs> well, I've got my beady eye on you, my friend. My beady eye, both of my beady eyes on you. You always have, particularly when I'm in the toilet. She's dirty <laughs> <laughs> well, in other news, as you know, if you are a patron of the West Ham Way, you have full weekly access to this podcast, the Extra Time Show, the West Ham Way USA podcast, Mad Dog Bites, and pre match oppositional analysis from Dan Woffenden, amongst a lot of other things. Um, not to mention a fantastic community of West Ham fans as well. We are delighted to announce our latest signing 
in the form of Jimmy Walker. The Jimmy has agreed to join the West Hamway family on Patreon with his own weekly feature. And as we all know, Jimmy's a big character, so we're over the moon to have him with us. And this will be coming very soon, so watch this space. And I'm pleased with that signing X. Yeah, mate, you can't get better than that in terms of actually what the what the patrons like. You know, Martin Allen's been so popular because he provides you know experience as a manager and as a player and as a you know someone that's been around West Ham for so many years. He's also an ambassador, so he knows what's going on now, and he's got a good sense of humour and, and a big character. Jimmy Walker fits that bill exactly the same way. He's a big character at West Ham for a big time at the club. You know, different era to Martin Allen. Martin Allen was the 90s jimmy was the 2000s so different eras both very funny both very significant eras both big characters both piss takers um, both got lots of funny stories to tell um and i think it's just yet another feature you know there's a uh, there's um, accounts out there that love to try and knock us at the moment and say like what do you get well you know you don't get very for money for five pound i'm so- i'm sorry i went into um out to the game after our event yesterday, I literally grabbed, I have to keep my voice down, someone's been on a diet, I grabbed a burger outside, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it caused what, what did you What did you score it out of 10 in your mind? Um, it wasn't too bad to be fair to me, which bloody should be, because I paid £9.70 for it. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and, and I think to myself, for 30 more P, that's two months subscription um and you know and i just said to myself those people that knock it are just fucking idiots really there's so much good content now available um and i know i'm biased because i'm involved in it but the, the patrons will back us up on that and um yeah it's, it's a great addition jimmy's a top top fella very very funny bloke so i can't wait to probably be the butt of most of his jokes if it's anything <laughs> like mine Adam, but i'll take it <laughs> yeah it's all born from love mate you know that you know that sure Right, it's time to see what's what. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you.
Between the job, the kids, the TV I need to binge watch, I've got a lot going on. But I just discovered my new favorite shortcut, Safeway on Instacart. Everything I need delivered right to my door in as fast as one hour. Safeway's organic produce, fresh treats from the bakery. Oh, paper towels. Hang on, I gotta place another order. Download the Instacart app or visit instacart.com to get $10 off your first order using the code SAFEWAY10. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $35. Additional terms apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.